we'll do the cloud. That'd be the easiest thing. All right. So we're here with Aaron Wexler from uh, the game podcast within the game podcast. Don't want to mess that up. Um, he's taking time out of his day. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Also with West Coast Volleyball Club. Um, the man's competed on big stages, talked to some big names. And uh, since kind of stumbling onto your stuff, I've wanted to get in contact with you and kind of how I did with a couple other pros and really get within that circle and really start picking brains. So just start out with um, how you got into everything and, you know, let's go from there. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. And um, I, I, I mean, I don't want to ramble too much, but basically, you know, I, I played on the AVP before that I played at UCLA um, and then I went back to coach at UCLA when I was done playing as a volunteer assistant for the women's team, experienced winning a championship, um, then got into varsity coaching at a local private school here in, in uh, Los Angeles, Made, took the team to a state final, which was, uh, which was an awesome experience. And then, um, you know, for the last seven years, I've been uh, running West Coast Volleyball Club, and um, it's been going great. We've, we've been successful. It's been, it's been really great. And then in the pandemic, I recently launched Within the Game podcast, and uh, I've been working on that. I've published uh, 25 episodes. So it's been, uh, it's been amazing, amazing journey. And I know, uh, I mean, that's how this came about, too. So basically, you know, I've, I've noticed a lot of people when we, it's almost like we had to find an outlet yeah. with everything. And I think that was the easiest thing for me. And uh, just a little bit like, you know, we were both talking before we started and um, I kind of, I, I went through all my connections when I started doing this and then I realized how many connections I had. And then I started going, okay, how high can I go? And I know right now my biggest one, at least my, my personal biggest one was read pretty. So for me, that was like my, my childhood icon when I started playing and um, you know, I, I want to keep going kind of like you said, and um, we have a, another segment I, that I do with one of the strength coaches I work with and we call it uh, coaches corner. So we have different strength coaches, um, athletic trainers, you know, performance coaches, so on, so on. That's more in the weight room style. And then we've kind of gotten into like physical therapy, a little bit more legislation and really get both sides of the ball because at least here in Myrtle beach, um, I've got my CSCS. I train from middle school to college athletes and then run a little club, do lessons. I'm trying to travel and do camps now, which has been a big jump for me and um, basically connect with people like yourself. So it's been huge and it's really cool to find the people I've noticed that have come on and are willing to spend their time and talk are the ones that want to learn. And it's not a territorial thing, which I've noticed is happening a lot more, especially with COVID and how all these players are getting so limited with the amount of people that can be in gyms. And, you know, if they lose one person, it's like, Oh my God, why that happened? Why that happened? Where'd they go? And it's never really worried me. I mean, I, I value myself. I know where I'm at. You know, I know that we all have room to grow. And it's been one of those things where I would rather travel and say, like, come out and work with you at a camp or something. Or um, like I talked to uh, Jeff Samuels a few weeks back and I was like, you know, we talked about him coming down and doing a camp for some of the kids down here. And I was like, dude, I just got to find time. Let's do it. You know, that's, 
that's the ring I want to run in. I mean, how did you find yourself getting into that ring? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's all about relationships, man. Um, you know, and it's all about like clarity. Like, what do you, what do you want? What are you going for? You know? Um, and, and I believe you got to go for something. You got to figure out what that one thing is. You know, it, it can't just be success, right? Like you have to define your version of success. It can't just be money. You have to define like, like how much money and, and where do you want it to come from and what kind of lifestyle do you want? So I would say all those things kind of allowed me to create where I'm at right now. And, and I want to use that same mindset to create the next thing. Okay. Yeah. And I know that's, that's where, um, I actually talked to Dan Fisher at Pitt last week, actually earlier this week on Monday. And I made this statement and this is another thing I think I've, I've taught myself and I try and teach my athletes is, you know, if you hundred percent believe it, just say it. Right. I mean, you're going to get curbed or you're going to learn one way or another, whether it was right, wrong or not complete. Yeah. And I just started saying, I think real coaches do it for, the right reason they don't do it for a paycheck and real coaches will be upfront and honest with you. I mean, there's going to be obviously discrepancies. There's going to be misunderstandings, but I think real coaches are in it to make the impact or we'll say what everyone's trying to do is make an impact. And um, Simon Sinek was talking about it when it came down to uh, talking about millennials and saying how they, they, they want to make an impact. And he goes, whatever that means. And I kind of laughed at it. That was funny, but it, it really does come down to that word where you, well, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I, yeah. I would, I would challenge that a little bit. Um, and, and, and I would just go back a little bit and say, you know, I actually read pretty was my first, uh, first guest on my podcast mm -hmm. too. And, and he talks all about mindset as you know, yeah. and I think the mindset of impact, you gotta be careful with that word. Cause you could, you could also have negative impact. Right. So I think yeah. you gotta have positive impact. See, the, the three things that drive me every day, I have a whiteboard in my room, time freedom, money freedom, and positive impact. So I think it's really important to put that word positive in front of impact because you don't want to have the wrong kind of impact. Yeah, and I know um, I've done a lot more playing on the, on the internal side lately um, instead of the actual coaching aspect. We'll say we'll say the more standard how people look at coaching, which is you know you're in the gym, you're instructing, and mm -hmm. I've looked more at am I really figuring out what I'm doing, or am I just doing something because I'm doing it? You know, I wanna I really want to figure out what makes me tick, and then try and figure out why the other person is here. Mm. If I can if I can get them, if I can understand them. And I can get them to then buy into what I'm saying. We can get on the same wavelength. And then if I understand the, the human being behind the athlete, it's a lot easier to say it's an off day before we even have to say it. You know, you look at them, you go, you have a bad day, aren't you? And they go, yeah, I, I am. And I was like, what's wrong? And they just go, I want to talk about it. And then I sit there. I'm like, OK, cool. It's fine. But. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't, if you either don't handle it, maybe not talking to me, but if you don't handle it internally and then focus, then it's going to bleed into something else. And that's one thing I focus more on now is that that mentality, that mindset 
when it comes to volleyball and weightlifting and training, then numbers, then I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say technique only because if we can't visualize what we're doing, then the technique's not going to happen. So I've looked a lot more internal to actually bring out everything else. Yeah. I mean, visualiz visualization is key. Um, and we could talk a lot about that, but I would say in terms of the coaching, you know, one thing when a, a player's uh, an athlete's not having a great day as a coach, you know, it's kind of our job to bring the best out of them regardless of their day. Right. So what I would say to some of my athletes that aren't having great days, which happens often as you, as you I'm sure would agree uh, is okay. Well, can you give me 70% today? You know, can you give me 50% today? Cause that's okay. But if you can give me the 50 or the 70, can you give me a hundred percent of that 50 or 70? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a good mindset because that's something attainable for the athlete. The athlete goes, yeah, I, I could do that. And I, and just building on that, you know, some of the mindset that I got from Sue Enquist, which uh, she's amazing. If you don't know Sue, please look her up. I interviewed her and she's just a, uh, she's incredible. 11 time champion softball coach at UCLA. Um, she's now a coach's coach, but she taught me about getting 1% better every day. And that to me is just a great uh, mindset, uh, th thought process, philosophy, uh, something to share with your coaches, your, your parent, any person, right. Who, who buys into the idea of getting better as a person, just get 1% better every day, you know, and that's attainable. You can do that. You can find something in your life, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's a sport, whether, whatever it is, you could get 1% better at it today. Right. So I just really like that mindset. Yeah. And I know, I know with, with the whole, like the, the, the 50, 70%, you know, it's for me, my application was, um, okay. If we can't lift the number that we're trying to achieve today, or we can't hit or pass the speed we want to achieve, well then, then take the number and the speed and the quality of the movement out. Let's get the technique. Let's back everything down and let's go basics. Yep. Like if we can't focus enough, which is fine to hit, we'll say our 85% on a back squat, then let's go to 60% and then let's nail your, your technique today. Like you're getting better, but it, you're getting better in a different way. And that's like, there's, there's so many things that people, I think athletes are not taught anymore. And I had this talk with one of my older athletes that I, I work with on like, you know, two, three days a week. And I said, I feel like a lot of times now how athletics have completely changed is you guys aren't being taught to truly be creative, to truly have an imagination, to understand it's okay to break and or bend the rules and to really find what those guidelines, what those rules really are, are just guidelines. Like, you know, we, we want you guys to obviously respect and be your show sportsmanship, but to understand that wave of emotion and how to handle everything and what the dynamic is. And, you know, you get to the point where I think the very raw coaches, I think it's a dying breed really, especially with social media, with how, you know, and this is a big other thing, you know, with the changes in parenting and how youth athletics is starting to change. And, um, I want to see you guys have a voice. I want to see you be independent. I want to see you question things. I want to see you question me. 
Uh, Cause if I can't defend myself, then I should not be coaching you. And it's big because I want to see athletes that come in hungry and I want to see them come in with just wanting to push all those boundaries, whether it's one day a week or whether it's five, seven days a week, I want to see you come in and you have that one thing that you want to just blow out of the water or that you just want to destroy everything that day. Well, what you're talking about is an athlete that understands their why, you know, yeah. going back to Simon Sinek, going back to Reed Pretty, they talk a lot about that. You know, what is your why? What is your deeper why? And, and a lot of these kids uh, don't know their why. They know that they want to go to college. They know that they want to win, right? Um, that's, that's good. That's a good start. Um, I think it's got to be deeper than that. I think it's got to be a burning desire to get that 1% better every day on the court so that it does translate into your life because most kids are not going to go uh, into college and play. Most kids aren't going to win, you know, um, it, it's, it's nice if they do and great job if they do, but as coaches, we need to know that we just need to understand that it's, it's a, it's about teaching lessons that can translate to other areas of their life. That's yeah. what I, I think that's what it's a, a really good coach understands that, you know, and then works backwards from there and then makes the whole journey fun, right? It has to be fun, you know? And I mean, just the, I, I, I've read basically the same article written numerous times is I'm not paying for club. It's usually <laughs> the title. Right. And that's a huge thing. And people, and people go, well, I'm dishing out at some, you know, obviously some of the more top tier clubs. Like if, you know, if we reference a five and Tav, where some of their higher up, you know, they're, $4,500, for a season, you know, those kids are there for both reasons. Those kids are there to be pushed and learn those life lessons, but they're also investing in what they're obviously at the point of a scholarship. Sure. So, but even if you look at, we'll say some of the more bottom range, mid range clubs, you know, you're, you are still paying for your child or your athlete to learn. Yeah. I mean, and not, and not just that you're also paying for the experience. I think the yeah. experience itself is kind of lost in the picture of club because there is that pressure to win. There is that pressure to qualify for jails. There is that pressure to get spotted by a recruiter. There is that pressure to make it into a, a, a D one D three NAIA program. There is that pressure. It's a constant pressure. And a lot of it is from the parents, right? And a lot of it is from society. Cause you, a lot of, a lot of, I'd, I'd say most uh, people look around a lot. Right. This is a big thing, too, because you were talking about going internal, but most people don't do that. Most people are looking around and they compare. And then you meant also mentioned Instagram, social media. Right. It's just a constant comparison. Right. So knowing that as a as a smart coach, as a as a elevated coach, it's about guiding. Right. We have to guide. We have to guide. I, I believe we have to guide the inner light in, yeah. in an athlete. It's not just the uh, the drive to win. That's great. It's great. But the inner light, what makes you, you, you know, that if I can get in, if I can like tap into that and really like evoke the true you mm. out of you, that to me is success. Yeah. And I know I've got a 13, 14 year old right now. And back in November when she first came in on, uh, no, actually September, October, she first came into the weight room. Um, and we started talking and I just, I got a feel for like what she was about, what she wanted her first thing when we got to talking about volleyball because she's like i want to start she came in she wanted to start lifting and i'm like first thing was 13 year olds you want to start lifting awesome first cool, right yeah. off the bat and then yeah. she goes um 
I really like volleyball. And the next statement is what blew me away. And it was, I want it to pay for my education. I don't want to make it a career. And I sat there and I went, you are 13 saying something that most 18 year olds cannot understand. Right. And we've, I've been pushing her in a different way than the other girls. And it's mainly because of that one statement I keep, I keep holding on to. And she has just pushed in such a way and she talks in such a way and acts its way still 14 year old mm-hmm. you know still has those moments but you know comes in and she we had a team meeting and um you know with an issue or two that happened during season and she said you know it's not about win loss she goes i don't uh, she goes i'll be honest i don't care about win loss what what i don't think a lot of people see is how far we have come mm-hmm from November till now and what we've done personally, what we've done as a team, the things that we don't see other teams do. And I'm thinking I've worked with this kid four months, man, five months. And I sit there and go, that's on you. I'm not going to take credit for it. None of the coaches took credit for it. And we just look and said, that's all you. That's amazing. And I think that's what I could have probably a hundred bad athletes. And that one time, for some reason out of the insanity of coaching makes up for all of it. Yeah. Well, it's champion mindset is what that is. Like that, yeah. that's just understanding that the journey itself is the win, you know, like Kobe said, and, and that's awesome to hear from a 13 year old, a 14 year old. Cause it, that gets lost so easily and quickly when, when we all, you know, focus on results, right. We all want that positive result, but you know, to hear that from a kid like that, that's, that's awesome. That's a win for you as a coach, you know, yeah. that's great. And I know, um, I've, I've asked this question to a couple like West coast athletes, West coast coaches. Um, I think it is to some extent, but how do you see the sport in itself and the mindset of athletes? Is it really truly different from, we'll say the East coast, the Midwest and the West coast? Yeah. Uh, I'll, let me let me talk about that in one second. I just want to go mm-hmm. back to to that kid that you were talking about mm-hmm. because to me that's that's inspired living. I mean, to me that 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 mindset from that kid is what my podcast and my project's all about. I'm actually writing a book about that okay. because the winning and the losing is is it's easy to to get lost in that, and you know we all get judged on the winning and the losing. But man, to have that to have that uh, perspective of the journey. And to be on a journey, like how many people are not on a journey? They're just floating, right? Like to be on a journey is inspired living to me. And I love that. And I think it's, it, it just gets lost. It's like cliche, like, oh yeah, the journey, whatever. No, dude, the journey is amazing. Like that's what it's all about, you know? And, and, and again, going back to the coaching, right? Let's foster an environment. Let's create an environment that allows an athlete to understand that. Right. Not just a specific, not just a certain kid that, that brings that to you, but that's great that the, she did. Mm-hmm. But as coaches, can we create an environment that allows people to understand that? Not just that one kid, all kids, yeah. you know, and coaches, yeah. you know? So I think that's a big part of, of, uh, of what we're talking about. Like that, that, that coaching, that deep, that deep level of coaching, right. It's yeah. not about the winning and losing so much, you know? I mean, so I anyway, take, I just wanted to say that. I take time out to actually discuss those things. Yeah. Like, and I know 
I know, I know programmers out here don't do that. Yeah. And I well, don't most see programs it. don't man. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I, I don't remember seeing it and I know, I know we, we use, and I think I'm, I know I'm guilty of it. We use social media as a reference. We use it as a standard sometimes when we shouldn't. And it's, you don't see it being published with coaches standing and talking like that. You don't see it right. published with, with teams talking like that. You don't. And it's not exciting enough, right? Exactly. For me, for me, it's exciting. And, and I'll share something that I do with my athletes almost on a daily basis. And I, and if it inspires you too, great. I mean, I'll, I'll literally just ask a player, uh, are you inspired today? You know, mm -hmm. and, and most times they'll be like, oh, no, I'm tired. You know, that's, that's the standard <laughs> question. The standard answer is like, no, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just, I'm stressed, right? School is stressful. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, but then I, I always follow up like, hey, do you have any inspiring teachers? You know, like, can you find something that inspires you? And then after a while, a kid will be like, hey, coach, I got something. And then it sparks this conversation and then the energy elevates because now you're looking, now you're, now I'm creating an environment as a coach to allow a kid to really think about what inspires them, mm. right? Not just going through the motions, not just the stress of the test they just went on, not just the, 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 the tournament that's coming up. It's not those things. It's, it's something that like lights a fire under them that gets them joyful. See, once you get that from your athlete, then you can do whatever you want with them. You can yeah. tell them to pass. You can have them lift weights. But you got to get that feeling first, I believe. That, that's what a truly inspirational, motivational leader does. This is leadership, right? Leadership yeah. is, is all these things. And so I just wanted to kind of say that because oh, – definitely. Th that's what this is about. You know, that's what, that's yeah. what my journey is about as a coach, as a, as a leader of my organization. I have, you know, um, I have a, I have a partner and then I have seven uh, uh, coaches and then we have a, a large organization now and we're growing. And so the more that I take on this leadership role, the more I realize that it's about inspiring and guiding, you know, and those two things though, that, that's a, that's a, a, I think very important part of a, a, a really inspired leader, right? Mm -hmm. Like guiding and inspiring, you know, and finding ways to do that because it's, it's, there's no cookie cutter approach to that. No. And, and it's, and I don't, there never will be. Uh, and right. if there is, then it, it takes, I think it takes the challenge out of it. It takes the right. fun out of it. Exactly. And I've found, and I've, I think it's one of those things about finding your place. And I think I've, I've had, I've had multiple things happen since I've moved down here where I'm finding my place more of I'm moving away from coaching club and I'm mm -hmm. going more going more into the private side yep. of let's just do lessons, clinics and camps. And let's let maybe bounce back and forth and travel to a couple of people, maybe do like a, a consulting something here and there and maybe do like a guest spot somewhere. Yeah. And it's really, I love the more personal side of it of being able yeah. to see change in one person over time mm -hmm. or have them hit that, that gear fit in moment. And that's where it's, that's where I find my joy. And it's not, it, don't get me wrong. I'd love to just hoist a, a J.O. title over my head. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, but I've, I've come to, to the rationalization that it's not going to happen anytime soon. And I'm fine with that. Cause I mean, I won my own conference ring when I coached in college as a volunteer, I'm cool with that. I got the trophy I've always wanted. And so I'm doing this for fun now. Yeah. You know, we yeah. still make a living, but I'm doing it for fun. 
And I'm constantly looking for those athletes that want to do it for the same reasons. Yeah. And, and even the athletes that don't like, it's another challenge for me too, to, to try mm-hmm. to motivate them and bring something out of them. And, and, you know, like I, I believe the best coaches, you know, every day, their mission, like you have to have a mission, right. Mm-hmm. As, as a coach, you have to, I believe it can't just be winning. There has to be a, a, another mission. The, the mission is to help you as the athlete be the best version of yourself today. Yeah. That should be the mission of all coaches, whatever you're coaching, like can, that's, by definition, the title of a coach, right? The definition of a, like, I will bring out the best in you today, right? And so it doesn't matter if they're inspired or not. It helps if they're inspired, but if they're not, you know, that's still your job is, is, is as a coach. And then another thing that brings, that comes to mind is, is to stay unconditional. So many people, including myself. And this is, this is, I'm not preaching here. This is a practice that I'm um, doing as well. Um, we are all very conditional. We're very, we're very reactive to conditions, right? Uh, to the athlete, to the game, to the weather, to the news, right? We, we see these things, those are all conditions and they affect us. And then we respond in our own way. But a true motivational inspired leader is unconditional, you know, and that's something I'm, I'm working on too, you know, but it, you have to, you have to be very clear about who you are and what you're doing. And, and then the conditions can't mess with you, you know, so for so many years, the conditions messed with you, messed with me. And now I'm finally at 38 years old, I'm finally starting to be like, man, like, I, I'm not going to let any conditions mess with me because I know who I am and I know what I'm about. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, a really powerful you know, thought process, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do now. I mean, I'm trying to like take that turn now. I mean, I just turned 31 and that's Mm -hmm. where I'm like, you know, I look back to when I was 25 or 26, 27. And, you know, and then I look back to when I was 20, when I first started coaching, I was 19, 20. And I was like, man, I was not in control. And then, or at least I wasn't in control of what I could have been in control of. And then Mm. I start sitting and going, okay, well, Six months ago, man, I got such a better hold on those small things. And then it's like, all right, you know, this just happened. How would I, I would have reacted like this. Now I'm doing these things and I sit there and kind of like what we were talking about is going more internal. I started mm-hmm. doing that about four or five months ago, just about the turn of the year. And it's just one of those things I'm trying to find the innermost smallest particle of the big equation to where the rest of it makes sense. And then I can start just extrapolating answers from there and building from there and building from there, instead of having to go through the same equation, the same thought process, you know, and just have fun with it. Well, what you're talking about is, is meditating, right. And, and getting quiet and, and really understanding who you are as to the core, not, not the, uh, not the guy that is out and, and, you know, not, not, sorry, not the guy that other, that you think other people think about you, yeah. <laughs> right? Not that guy, the guy that is just so sure of himself and understands, you know, who you are and like, and, and is almost spiritual. Like it's almost a spiritual practice, you know, without yeah. getting too religious or, or going in down that road for me, you know, my spiritual practice, that, that being unconditional is 
spiritual is understanding that I'm a spirit having a human experience, you know, and, and um, again, I, you know, I, I don't need to get up too much into that, but yeah. I think that is a big part of understanding who you are as a leader, you know, mm -hmm. like really getting into, you know, you know, what you're all about and what you can offer and what you can bring to the table. Yeah. And the more and more I talk to people, the more and more that reoccurring factor keeps coming up. That What's one, that spirit, spirituality? Yeah. Something between that meditation, getting your mind right, whatever it means, whatever, whatever people call it, perform, how, you know, however they do it. It's a reoccurring thing that I keep seeing happen. And well, I, I'll say this. I, I actually listened to the Jeff Samuels episode and he actually mentioned uh, something about calibrating. He had to like recalibrate his body mm -hmm. during a uh, in between tournaments or something like that. That word calibration, I want to talk about for a second mm -hmm. because calibration is the is the practice calibration. You need to calibrate to your true self. And a lot of times, I, like I said, I'm not, I am not preaching. This is me, you know, working on this myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if we as coaches can kind of teach this concept to kids, we're doing something good because that is a very challenging, uh, it's a very challenging mindset and hard to conceptualize, like calibrate. So calibrating to me means like understanding what you want and calibrating your energy so that you can go in that direction and you can stay laser focused and get tunnel vision to that. To me, that's calibration. If you don't calibrate to that desire, let's mm -hmm. just talk about winning for a second, right? If you don't calibrate to the win, right? Then, then you are being conditional. Then you're being too reactive. But if you're calibrated and you know that that's what you're going for and you know all the things it takes to get there, including the preparation, including the mental, including the, the visualization, including the, the weight training, including the, the, the skill training, including the tactical training, all those things. And then the actual game itself, yeah. you know, do you have to calibrate to that? And so to me, that's visualization. That's, uh, that's really feeling the feeling of winning, right? You gotta feel it. And, and then, and it's also choosing, I'm a winner. Mm -hmm. it's choosing right so all that to me is calibration and it's it's so important man so important yeah and i i mean just to use a, a volleyball example um i see a lot of and because it's just because i mainly i mean i think we both mainly deal with female athletes i see a lot of anxiety when it comes to passing in a faster sometimes more of a faster offense or <laughs> yeah, playing sure. defense for sure. And, and you see a lot of extra little movements that it's just a lot of nerves and a lot of oh, yeah. anxiousness. And I sit there and I'll let it go for a few reps because I want to see, you know, what's their thought process? Like, what are they trying to do to maybe counteract it? Are they trying to counteract it? What are they thinking? Are they visualizing? Are they doing anything? Are they moving any part of their body different? And that's, an, that's a whole nother thing that athletes, I don't think realize coaches do is there's a huge analyzation factor going on in our head. We're watching dozens of components at once. And then I've actually asked some athletes, what do you see in your head when you're going to do something? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, well, what do you mean? And I said, you know, do you, one, can you visualize it? Right. Two, do you believe it? 
Mm. And I said, if you can't believe it, you cannot see it. It's not a see it and I'll believe it moment. We can't do that. Because if we do that, you're going to wait for your opportunity over and over and over. What you have to do is believe it, create your opportunity, then you can see it and accomplish it. I love that. And so if, if you can see yourself moving smoothly, maybe taking three steps, not five, controlling your upper body, being smooth and purposeful with intent to pass a ball and you're moving as one unit. And they're like, yeah. And I said, let's do it. I was like, if we can put the whole picture together in our head and you have to maybe walk through it, walk through it. You know, it's so simple as you have to crawl before you walk. It's it's that's it. I, and I said, the other thing is, is I don't really think you guys are taught how to use, I think one of the biggest rules that you've ever been taught in school. And that is the scientific method. Cause for me, it's, that's what your life is. And even right now, that's what we're doing is we're throwing information out. Is it going to stick? Yes. Cool. Let's keep going. And it's just, okay, you have you have your, you have your hypothesis. If I move like this, this will happen. You test it out. I don't know, dozen times, hundred times, 500 times. And then you have your conclusion, but then you have to retest and you do it over and over and over. And it doesn't stop until you, until you pass until yeah. you, until you're literally, you pass away and your life is over. That method continues until you are done on this earth. Yeah. And then the, the last thing is, can you correlate two different movements or two different situations that use the same movement? You know, I, I, I had, I had one girl who she's played for, I don't know, three, four years. And I said, look at your, look at your serving swing, look at your attacking swing. And she goes, okay. And I said, do you think they can be used together? Do you think your serving swing could be used for your approach swing? And she goes, yeah. And I said, have you ever tried it? She goes, well, no, it didn't occur to me until right now. And I said, that's one of my biggest problems with athletics. And that's with problem solving, with education, with a lot of things is kids are not taught to try and figure out if we can use one thing in another place. Well, and here's why, in my opinion, it's because of FOPO. Have you heard of that before? Mm -mm. Okay. So Mike Gervais taught me about this. Dr. Mike Gervais is a sports psychologist who works with the Seattle Seahawks. And I recently had him on my podcast and he taught me about FOPA. I'd never heard of it either. It's fear of other people's opinions. And so, you know, going back to serve, receive, I played libero. I pride myself on, you know, a, a good first contact. You know, most, most, uh, you know, players don't want to look bad. They don't want to shank the ball, right? It's, it starts with looking bad, but then it becomes, then, then we're afraid of the opinion that, the coach is having in their head or the teammates are having in their head or the spectators are having in their head and that FOPO can take over and it can control you. So I think first is understanding that FOPO is a real thing for mm -hmm. all of us, myself included, even doing the, starting the podcast, being vulnerable yeah. and, and like putting myself out here like this. Dude, you know? I did not talk to people. I was yeah. not one to get in front of yeah. anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that FOPO, right? Like you have to be aware of it. I think. Um, and then once you're aware of it, then you can start to squash it. Cause like, like some, one of my things is no FOPO, you don't need it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't serve you. It's not productive. Right. But 
a lot of most people aren't aware of that. And so I think going back to your serve receive thing, I think that's a big part of it. You know, rather than just getting locked in on the technique and you're, you know, getting, you know, tracking and all those things that you're talking about, visualizing and creating those angles and then being aggressive and, and getting outside your passing window and like getting into attack mode. It's hard to get into attack mode if you have FOPO, yeah. you know, and really you need to have attack mode even in service Eve. Yeah. And I know even, you know, I've had kids ask me, you know, you know, I, I some have asked me a lot or just. I've noticed this too. And I, I, I'm not a fan of it because kids are so cautious about asking an authority figure, whatever that is a question, even something personal, you know, and I sit there and go, look, I got to the point where I got tired of questioning everything that came into my head and questioning, should I say it? I got to the point where if I felt it was, it was right if I felt I wanted to be noticed, if I felt I want something to happen, I had to do it. And yeah. I said, I was the quiet kid in high school. I went, I did my thing. I played sports. That was it. I really talked to a lot of people. And now my athletes now never believe me. <laughs> and I'm like, look, let me show you my high school picture. Trust me. I was not the kid. I was not the person I am now. Trust me. I'm still a kid. I mean, I still enjoy things. I have fun, but I was like, I'm, I'm a totally different person because I got to a point in college where I said, I'm, I'm done being this person. Yeah. And something blew up inside of me and I just kept running with it. I didn't know what it was, but I just held on. Yeah. I mean, these things that we're talking about going back to coaching, right? Cause mm -hmm. I, I want to, I think this, this whole conversation is, is should be framed around leadership and coaching. Yeah. I think it's about creating that environment. Hmm. It's about creating that environment to allow a kid to not have FOPO, to not feel pressured to ask a, a question, to, to feel valued in that moment, to feel freaking good, right? <laughs> you gotta feel good about yourself, you know? And not just about yourself, about teammates, about the process, about the coaches, about everything. You gotta feel hmm. good, you know? So as coaches, we should be creating that environment constantly it's not just set it and forget it it's like a no it's an a, a constant thing and and as a, a organization leader i'm constantly doing that with my coaches i'm constantly trying to empower them so that they are constantly creating that environment of empowerment yeah and i know that's that was big for me with bringing in the coaches i had this year one was trust and being able to walk away and not have to worry Cause that was my big thing. I not, I don't like not having my hands in something that my name's on. Yeah. And so that was my first big thing. I let go this year a lot and which was nice. I got to kind of go away. If I wanted to go do something with, you know, my wife, I was able to, I just say, Hey guys, look, you're in charge now. You know, this, this coach is in charge. Keep me updated. Let me know what's going on. We're cool. You know, I said, if something were to happen, just call me. Not a big right. deal. Right. And now I've, 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 you know, gotten into these unknowns now, which is really nice because now I get to challenge myself in different ways that I never mm -hmm. thought would happen. Um, and I've made, you know, some life decisions this year that I never thought I would, you know, one being I'm starting to move away from coaching club and I want to get more into the, let's go back from middle school to college level. Let's start working with a wider range again. You know, let's not focus on just, we'll say 15s to 18s. And I had this discussion 
with one of my coworkers. And I think this is where us as coaches really get better is how much can you break something down? Can you really understand the minute details of a movement or of an action? And, you know, we, we, we talked about teaching the A-skip and, you know, you can have a pro guy in the NFL. You just say, all right, we got to do A-skips 50 yards down and back. Let's go. We're going to go left leg first. We'll go right leg second. You're doing one leg at a time. That's all you have to do, more or less. You know, you're still watching. You're still making sure things are happening. And then you get down to that eighth grader, seventh grader, maybe sixth grader who just gets in and you have to teach them knee high, toe up. We got to have, you know, nice, good posture. And you have to break this down to such a rudimentary level. And then you have to hit all those in-betweens as they progress. I want to know the coach who can do that. That's where I learn because that's where I get excited. And when I start getting more challenges, and I'm sure you're the same way, when we start getting more challenges, man, and you start looking at it and you come up with new analogies, you come up with new descriptions, you come up with new things. Like I had one, I couldn't get, I couldn't get some of my, athletes to swing through the ball hard enough or pass Mm -hmm. through we'll say a certain uh distance hard enough so obviously with passing you know you you have a certain certain space to pass from without having to swing and i said okay let's look at it this way so you have this much space they said okay i said now let's translate it to driving i said we've all ridden in a Mm -hmm. car right and they're like yeah and i said okay you're going 60 miles an hour and they're like okay i was like you follow I was like, yeah. I was like, Are you sure you follow? Like, okay. I was like, all right, good. Right. You go 60 miles, right? In an hour. Yeah. It takes you 60 minutes. Okay. It takes you a minute to go a mile. And they're like, okay, I'm, I'm losing. You're losing me. And I said, okay. When you go 80 miles an hour, it takes you what about 45 seconds to go that, that first mile. And they're like, yeah, look at it that way. Your distance. Say you're only going 60 in this space. You're only going to get so much out of it. Right. Let's go 80 in this space and let's get more. So when you swing, you have that space. Let's go 80 in the 60 or let's go hundred in the 60. Let's stop worrying about, I touch the ball. It's going to go over. Or if I do this and jerk, it's going to go over. Let's do one movement and let's go 60, 40, 80, hundred in that defined space to manage the speed of the ball. And they all look at, and I, you know, a couple of them are like, I've never, I would have never thought of that. And I said, I'll be honest with you. It just came to me. <laughs> but I think that's where we find joy as coaches. When those little, those oh, little yeah. treasure, those little treasure chests open up. Yeah. And epiphanies, epiphanies happen all the time. And, and I, I also think that's a, that's a, a trait of an inspired leader, like allowing that epiphany to happen, you know? So um, and I know we skipped over the one thing. Um, I want to get back to, yeah, you asked me about the the, West coast. uh, (laughs) We got, yeah, but still dude. Great. Still, still great information. It was just, um, so do you think there's a big difference or a difference between East coast, mid coast or Midwest and West coast volleyball with, we'll say with skill level and and the playing style. Yeah, I I do. I I do. I I think that, um, you know, more, more people on the West coast play beach, I think beach uh, can can absolutely translate into indoors and can make you more of a complete player. Um, that said, I think the sport is growing as a whole. 
I think there's more people playing on the East Coast. There's more people playing in the in the South, and there's more kids playing. So maybe that'll change. Um, uh, and and especially during the pandemic, California was on lockdown more than any other place. So maybe that's going to shift. But you know, I just I was in Manhattan Beach this morning, and you know, there's there's some there's a lot of activity going on out there, and a lot of training happening. And we we do have a, a great resource, which is the beach, um, to to you know for for people to train on. But in terms of like overall, uh, I do think it's more West Coast. I do, but like I said, I think it's I think it's starting to shift, and it's starting to become. Uh, just more widespread and more popular across the board. Because I know I've noticed in certain, I, 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 I will say in the East Coast, I will say skill-wise and speed, I think they're definitely behind the Midwest and the West Coast when it comes to raw talent Yeah, and the volleyball IQ. Yeah, it's cultural, man. Like there, yeah. there's there's not a whole lot of volleyball culture on the East Coast, you know. Yeah. So I I would just say it's a, it has a big part to do with the culture, you know. That's why Southern California is the the culture is go go out on the beach and play beach volleyball or surf, you know. But it's yeah. just it's just cultural. And that's the big thing. I've always I've always looked at um, I've always paid attention to where they host JOs, mm-hmm. and if. If any coach has not paid attention to this, please do look at where they're hosted <laughs> because they're always hubs. Yeah. I've always noticed that they're big hubs. And so, you know, Anaheim, Colorado Springs, you know, if you go down to Houston, you know, maybe they do it in Orlando. It doesn't matter anywhere. They, they go to those big cities and I know part of it's for the venue, but, you know, look at where they're at Colorado Springs. In Anaheim, you're looking towards the, you know, uh, Olympic training centers. Yeah. Right there. Indianapolis is a huge hub for volleyball. You know, even when um, they're looking to host the men's national, what was it? They had a two or three day um, men's international friendlies in Pittsburgh. I said, that's another little hub. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing. And then you have New York City is always a good little spot for for decent ball especially on the but, higher end but what you're talking about this regional the regionalization that you're talking about it's i believe it comes down to uh relatability you know the the audience and the participants have to relate to the game yeah and i think that's goes back to you know why the west coast has been dominant in the past um relatability right like and you know what i mean by that is like not everyone can relate to beach volleyball i get it you got you got to have access to a beach or a beach court or a facility, right? If you don't have access to it, you can't relate to it, yeah. you know. Um, and same with indoor volleyball. If you if you don't have access to other players and access to a facility and access to gyms, it's hard to relate to, you know. So I think that plays a plays into it quite a bit. So I know we're starting to run on time, um, but I I would like for you just to kind of send us off. Um, what's some of the, either the best knowledge you've ever been given best quote mm-hmm. you've ever been given and also piece of advice you would give to those out there oh wow well the best piece of advice that i've ever been given is to commit to being the best version of yourself every day right it's a commitment it's a choice to 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 go on that journey and sometimes it can be a lonely journey you know not everyone's committed to that path most people aren't 
So I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is commit to being the best version of yourself, both on and off the court. Um, and it's something I live by. It's something that I, I, I constantly try to create that environment, you know, so that kids and coaches and everyone, even the parents, I want them to be the best versions of, of themselves too. I want my listeners to, on, the, on my podcast to be the best versions of themselves too. Like to me, that's exciting. If I can be the best, ver- if I can be on that path and be surrounded by other people that can be on that path, life is more fun. Life is more opportunities open up, you know? Um, and then in terms of advice that I could give, well, I would just, I would just echo what I just said there. And then also I would say, you know, um, get quiet, get quiet in the morning and set your day up. You don't have to meditate. Meditation is difficult for a lot of athletes, but, or coaches or or active people who are just constantly like this next thing, next thing, next thing. Um, but get a little quiet so you don't look around too much. You know, because because it's too easy to look around. You can just go right to your Instagram. You can look at what other people's journeys are. You could you could look at the news and look look around. You, that's what I mean by look around. Don't do that too much. Do it a little bit for inspiration, right? Find people that inspire you. Find uh, things that inspire you. You know, go on. You know, you know, have experiences that lift you up. But don't look around too much. You know, because. Because other people are just, that's not, that's not your job as other people. Your job is you, you know, your job is to, is to really foster that best version of yourself, you know? And then once you get really clear about that and you feel like being a leader, then yeah, go down the, the path of being an inspirational, motivational leader, but you got to get quiet first and know who you're about first. Okay. I like that. Uh, Cause I've, I've, I've tried to do things like that before and I, I have found I have found some really profound moments and at times it's just enjoying it. Yeah. And I, and I would just add to take your ego out of the whole thing. You don't need ego. You know, a lot of coaches who have experienced success, right. Have these big egos, right. They know how to win. No, they take your ego out of it. It's not about you. It's not about you. You are a vessel. You are a guide for somebody else. You know, that's, I think that's the, the inspired coaching way to think about that. Right. Like, it's not about me. It's about you. Let me help you. What can I do to help you? And another good thing to say, and I'm rambling, I know a little bit, but another good mindset to have as a, as an inspired coach is how can I best serve you? Right. Because it's about service really is this whole game of coaching is how can I serve you? And like we said before, there's no cookie cutter approach to that. That might change depending on different things. But how can I unconditionally serve you? You know, and that's just a really good mindset, I think, to have. So, well, sir, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is probably one of would have been has been one of my favorite episodes to do. Awesome. Um, especially when um, what a lot of people don't realize is, guys, uh, either it's straight off the top of the head or there's minimal prep um which is why i like doing it like this because you if you're passionate about something you just start talking about it so but um i just want to say thank you again and if you just hang for one second after we're done well um, can you hear me yeah i can hear you <laughs> thank you so much man if, if 
Okay, cool. Yeah, little you. little glitch there. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm totally happy to do it again sometime too. Oh, definitely. If you just hang for one second after we're done, um, that'd be yeah, great. Um, absolutely. But to everybody else, um, go check out this man's podcast. Uh, it's called Within the Game. Um, definitely a great listen. Uh, talks to I'm talking huge names, tons of people inside outside of volleyball, um, and probably anything you might have a question with, try and get in contact with them. So. Um, until next time, we will talk to you guys later. Bye.